Welcome to another episode of Riveting Broads Podcast. I'm your host, Jackie Richard. I'm Molly Merluzzi. And I'm Dave Bargay. Woo! Hi, and I'm not a host. Was I supposed to say something then? I think you are a host now. You've signed, sealed, and delivered, right? Your contract. <laughs> um, we're here to talk about the uncomfortable things that people don't always want to talk about, but we can all relate to on some level or have some experience with. And, and Molly, why did we start this in the first place? Well, Jackie, we wanted to start this podcast to create a judgment-free zone where we can explore topics like identity and vulnerability and autonomy and feminism and give us a platform to do that where perhaps we don't know all the answers and we can turn to um, incredible women to sort of learn from their lived experiences. And before we get into Daybar's story and our kind of open-ended topic for today. I just want to thank everyone who's reached out to us so far for your support, your likes, your subscribes. We we can't tell you how much it means and it, it really makes this experience that much more fun and exciting. So thank you, truly. Yeah, I completely echo that. It is, uh, it's interesting to talk into a microphone and then it's another thing to realize there's people listening on the yeah. other side. So <laughs> thank you for that. Thank you. Um, and then without further ado, today I'm super excited. Maybe we could, um, we should share who Baby Burrito is. Oh, uh, yes. Um, it's not a food. It's not a burrito. It's not a real burrito. Dave Mark carries around a burrito yeah. wherever she goes. He's going to And refers to it as her child. <laughs> um, baby Burrito is Phil the Fourth, and he is part of the Eat, Drink, North Shore food bloggers, and that's who Dave Bar represents and I'll let her get more into that. But that's how I found them. I found them on Instagram. They popped up as someone you want to follow. And I took one look at their Instagram and I was like, uh-huh. Yep. We were so, so happy good. when you reached out to us. <laughs> so when you sent us that email, I think it might have took us a little bit to respond because we weren't sure if we were being spammed or not. <laughs> and then like, finally, is this crazy No, girl? seriously. <laughs> we're like new to the Instagram world and we were getting spammed a lot. And you reached out and we're like, this has to be fake. But it's funny because Phil and I had been talking about how we wanted to be more connected to the community and we wanted to find a networking group and then networking group girl yeah. reaches, like hits us up. <laughs> like, how does that happen? And on it, and I know people say this all the time, like speak it into the universe. I'm starting to believe that because oh, yeah. I did actually start speaking that like Phil and I would say it all the time and just try and see if something would come our way. And then you DM'd us. You slid into our DMs. <laughs> I did. Probably the first people. Well, I shouldn't say. I, that sounds like I do that a lot. I don't really this slide into DMs. You've said this now multiple times. She acts like she's not good at communicating, but she really is. She's so like, good. when I first met you, it was because you messaged me directly after I signed up. And we talk about that mm-hmm. on another episode. And right. you were like, yeah, that's crazy because I don't do that. And I was like, <laughs> and I was like and the way the conversations have been going to date is that, and I'm sure listeners, you've noticed this as well, is that we sort of start with uh, an umbrella sort of topic and then we kind of go through our own lived experiences there. And when we were talking before the episode, we sort of, there was a number of different directions we could go, (laughs) Uh, but Daybar had some great suggestions um, that are going to help inform the conversation. Do you want to kick it off? Absolutely not. (laughs) Do you want to? (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Well, okay. So I think what we, we, the three of us thought was most compelling was like this idea that, you know, we've talked in previous episodes about misogyny, feminism, gender, but today we wanted to sort of pivot um, to talk about through the lens of race, what battles are worth picking. And to be honest, my perspective, and I want to be either proven wrong or, or talk through it, 
I've always been the person that every battle is worth picking. <laughs> yes. And and I don't think that's necessarily like the right or, or easily tolerable thing to do. Um, but for me, and I, I, and th- I said this last episode is that I felt like that's sort of a point of privilege. Like mm-hmm. I'm this white suburban person who considers herself informed and educated um, and also progressive. And so I find myself in scenarios where whenever this comes up, actually the other night I went to dinner and we were at this event and this woman, this um, very seemingly very nice woman um, was a middle-aged white woman. And she was sitting next to a woman named Du Jin. And Du Jin and I like really hit it off. But this lovely woman who was next to us, um, she was talking about how she went to law school and now she's becoming a writer. And I was like, well, she was just really impressive. And her and I were talking in the middle and this woman had had a couple glasses of wine and she turned and she said, she was like, you know, and she's like, what's your name to me and my sister? And then she's like, turned to her and she's like, I don't even know how to pronounce your name. And I was like, how is, it's 29, what's happening? (laughs) And it's like when those, and I'm so privileged because I don't live and breathe that every day. But I was like, what kind of name is Wendy? Like I was like, and so I like snapped back and I got, and I'm like, I don't know this woman like across from me. I don't know any of them, but I was just like, it's, I cannot let that slide. And so I've always played that role. And I'm curious, you guys, what is your take? So I love that you mentioned that because we as women know we walk in different, we walk in our shoes and a lot of times we have to pick our battles, right? And when you open your front door and you walk out, it's like, I am a female, like I'm walking around this world as a female and you're very, con- like, I feel like we're very conscious of that. Mm-hmm. At least, at least I am. Um, and I walk out the door and I'm very conscious that I'm a African female, African American female, and I walk out and that that's just like my label, you know? Mm-hmm. And I do notice myself conducting um, myself in certain situations through that lens. So I do not pick all my, ba- I don't, like, I do pick my battles. I don't, I don't know engage in everything and it's because not everyone understands and i don't know if i have a long enough time to explain myself Mm -hmm. to absolutely everybody um but yeah it's something that you just it's a daily thing you know and i was talking to my husband about it the other day he doesn't understand at all so we both graduated from the same high school and this just is a brief example and i was talking about it and i was like describe comparing it to different schools in the area and i kept saying to him i was like if we have if burrito has to go to the school that we went to like i don't know how i'd feel about that i think i'd prefer him to go to a private school just because i didn't feel like i walked out of my public school with like the greatest education and fully prepared (laughs) and my husband was insistent he's like it fully prepared me for the world like i was great it was a very diverse school i'm very happy i went there he's so proud to have graduated from there and i'm sure a lot of people are but it's funny because I was like, well, let's just start here. As a black girl graduating from that high school, I was not prepared for right. the world. I didn't feel like I was. And I went into it and explained it to him. And he was like, that happened to you there? That's what you experienced? Oh, my right. God. He was like literally taken aback. He doesn't subscribe to the whole like, he would never admit this, but he doesn't see color. And we've been having this color Ooh. conversation a lot. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you got to stop saying that. There's like so many yeah, different connotations right. to that. Also, just but like quickly, he's a white guy. He's just white. So <laughs> he's 
Irish. Just so you yeah. know. Red hair. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah. for the purposes he of is. the narrative. Right? Yeah. It's <laughs> an important distinction. It, it is, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, man, what is he? No, but he just, he didn't know. And it's because all of the people he surrounded himself with were people of color and, you know, listened to the same kind of music that he did. And he never really bothered to f- figure out their experiences. He just be- enjoyed being around them. Mm. And we've been together for eight years, married for, I think, three now. He's going to kill me because I probably have the timeline or whatever. It makes you seem wrong. very cool that you don't know. Oh, I have no idea. That's what I've told myself. I'm like, <laughs> I think it's five. Yeah. Yeah. I have to ask him and he gets all upset every time. He's like, she doesn't know. <laughs> but he also knows nobody's birthday. And I, I yeah, do. So, so we all have strengths. Exactly. Um, but it was funny because when we were talking about the high school, he was he, he just didn't realize the experience that I had. And talking to him more about it, he's coming to realize that people are coming into workplaces, schools, um, different environments with these things. And you have to be careful. Right. Yeah. So. And I think it's interesting, too, because we went to the same high school. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I, I forgot for a hot second. Year. Yeah. Daybar is a little younger yeah. than I am. <laughs> I always thought it was a, diver- a diverse school. Yeah. It's not. Not at really. all. Not really. No, and it wasn't. And, and it's, I put my foot in my mouth because I ran into a former classmate and she's Dominican. And I was saying how, you know, it's, it's a diverse school. She's like, no, it wasn't. She's like, name all the Latinas you can think of. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, yeah, you're right. And then as far as African-American oh, yeah. representation, there's it's barely minimal. Yeah. Absolutely minimal. So it's funny because I, I think it's the privileged perspective where we walk away. We're like, yeah, that was fine. It was great. <laughs> it was and great. you're like, uh, I'm like no, no, it was a wasn't. nightmare. <laughs> it wasn't actually a nightmare. A lot of white people struggle with this of, you know, the whole like white privilege guilt. I know I do. It's a fine line of trying to make up for the bad actions of your ancestors and also not virtue signaling and trying to show off like, you know, more than you do. Yeah. But I think it's an important thing to learn that, yeah, your your perspective was very different. Your experience was very different. Mm-hmm. It's important to see color because it affects our experiences. It does. You don't want to put someone down because of right. how they look, but you also want to acknowledge their lived experience as different than yours and not assume that you have any idea what it's like yeah. ever. I also think people are just generally uncomfortable admitting that they don't know things like they're just not comfortable admitting that perhaps they don't have the right language like I know in myself I I would say my strength but also my Achilles heel when it comes to uh, racial discussions are that I have a tendency to to sort of overcompensate and in in a way that I'm I'm like I'm not, you know, we, and I want to talk about this topic specifically because you did share an interesting story about, you know, the idea that like as white people, when we're hanging out with folks that are either of a different race or a different background, we're, we are already have the upper hand because systemically we've been taught that ours is the archetype and these are the exceptions and that's 110% not the reality. And so for me, I end up... I don't know. I work so hard to make sure people understand that I'm a, I'm a, I'm one of the good ones. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Seriously. And it ends up being sort of. It's sort of. Um, I don't know. It it's sort of ends up. I think diluting. I don't know. I think it's like well intended, but it doesn't exactly achieve what I'm wanting it to achieve. So well, it's I'm good curious. that you're even in that mindset because when I talk to my husband all the time, because he we have completely different beliefs and. 
sometimes I chat with him and I'm like, oh my God, you really think that? Like we just, you know, people are different and we mm-hmm. respect each other. I always appreciate people um, coming into the situation open and like wanting to learn more, kind of like what you're saying. Because if you don't act like you, if you're acting like you know everything, it's going to be hard to have a conversation with you. But if you're just coming from a point of wanting to understand, it's so much easier to have a conversation with somebody who's different different from you. Yeah. Mm. And that's what I'm always telling my husband. It's like, you don't know people's experiences. When you go out there into the world, you really just need to... I don't want to say walk on eggshells, just just be mindful that, that people's experiences might be different. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, and yeah. I would say though, I think I just as like I even just now, like I referenced an actual one of my best friends from college, but I feel like maybe there was a part of me like wanting to tell you that I had a friend who was <laughs> no, a, but it wasn't, it yeah, wasn't. But yeah. then I'm self conscious about that, and so I, um, by the way, for the folks that weren't in time travel in our conversation before this started. Um, my friend from college is Nigerian. And I mentioned that, you know, I am one of her only white friends in sometimes when I go to parties and that I and I feel extra white. And I do so because I'm, they're not doing it. I'm doing it because I'm feeling like I don't want them to ever think I'm like trying to hang, yeah. you know, in a way that's overcompensatory in hand. So anyway, it's just my, I think it's my own anxieties where I, I've almost gone full circle awkward where mm-hmm. I'm like, <laughs> like, I'm so, I'm so like academically comfortable talking about like this as a, as a phenomenon, like racial identity. But when it comes to lived experiences, I think sometimes I overthink it so much yeah. that it ends up being like almost well, it's, caricature. It's tough being the only one in a room anytime, you know? So I think in situations like that, your Nigerian friend was probably, maybe they she noticed your change or whatever, but she's probably thinking that you're just uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And the other thing to remember is that, like, as minorities, we're usually the only ones in the room, mm-hmm. so we can relate to that. Right. They're like <laughs> so that this awkward feeling that, exactly. No, we're just, just honestly, at, no. we're all, we're probably just dusting it off our shoulder because, like we were talking about, so Phil has an alter ego <laughs> when he hangs with my family and they love him and respect him so much. They're Gucci with it. Like he, yeah. they're, they like are fully aware of I've it. I've never heard the phrase, they're Gucci with it. They're and Gucci. that may be the title of our episode. Yeah. With it. Oh, Guys, for sure. I'm, oh I, right? <laughs> but um, they're so used to it and they love him, whatever, you know? So he doesn't notice that he goes into like his alter personality when he's around them. But I do and everybody's fully aware, but they still love but him. But you're saying right? family, have they talked about that? No, we've never we've never sat down and talked about like, it. Like I know you and acknowledge it, but, today, but yeah. you know what? Like my brothers will encourage it when he's around. Like Phil will come up. He's like, "Hey, man, like what's up?" And he'll and that's not necessarily <laughs> like, but just the not even the vernacular. It's just like the body language changes, right. and they'll so fully indulge him, and they love it. They love indulging him, but it's it's great, and he's he's family, and it's right. okay that he's awkward and weird and you know is has a pulse uh, alternate ego when he's with them they're totally fine with it and in some ways i wonder if that is kind of a good thing like like if as long as you're self-aware enough to acknowledge when it veers into you know um inappropriate or co-opting an experience that isn't your own or something like you said you used an example of something someone might say that would be offensive that they they think is 
universally relatable, but we're all humans. We can tell when somebody's uncomfortable and mm. not sure how to act in a certain situation, making themselves vulnerable. And I respect people who make themselves vulnerable to be in a certain situation. So if I brought somebody along and they're now like the minority in the group, they're not African or black like the rest of my family, and I could notice that they're uncomfortable and they need, you know, it's mm-hmm. kind of, it's it's almost like a really humbling thing where you want to make them feel like yes. that group of people want to make them feel like they're welcome. Right. So it's I love people who do that who will put themselves in the vulnerable yeah. situation rather than sticking within their own, you know, mm-hmm. like what they're comfortable with. Being the uncomfortable yeah. <laughs> one, being the minority is also privileged if when you're white because you're so not accustomed to that feeling. So when you do, it's also humbling because you're like, oh, shit. This is how it feels. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, kind of. Yeah. yeah. Because I've, you know, I've always, whatever, I've never judged anyone by the color of their skin, but just the nature of where we're from. Mm-hmm. I've been surrounded by predominantly white people and then when I moved to the city I became closer with some of my now really good friends who are black and it's I learned so much so quick when I thought I knew I was like I was giving you the example of I touched my friend's head Mm -hmm. just as a an endearing kind of Hey, I love you, buddy. Yeah. You know, <laughs> my and husband's not, not even allowed to touch this hair. Yeah, he no, is and he bucks me. He is like he's the the sweetest, yeah. most loving person. He literally bucked me off him and he was like, You're gonna watch the Solange music video called Don't Touch My Hair. Yeah. And he, you know, kind of explained to me the the implications that it comes with. And I was like, oh, fuck. Okay. It's a conversation. Everyone has their take on it. Um, But yeah, no, it's it's uncomfortable. You feel like you're being singled out because you're different. Right. I'm not going to lie. If my sisters were to touch my hair, I could care less. Mm -hmm. It's just being made to feel different and being on spectacle because of a feature of yours that's not a common feature. I think that's where the offensiveness comes from. That's what I've understood. Yeah. Yeah. And there are some people who do take it as being, and I, and I know the, I totally understand the word racist. Um, It is used way too much. It really is. I honestly feel that. But like we were talking about earlier that people of color don't have like 10, 15, 20 minutes to explain to you that it is, Mm -hmm. or to hear you say something or, or touch their hair and then, figure out if you're not racist or not. They can't go through like your phone book and see that you have like friends and stuff. Right. That would, fa- would, right. <laughs> would not be like, they're not a racist. They just don't have that time. So being made to feel like that within a few minutes, you feel uncomfortable and you're wondering, does this per- is this person a racist? Is, is like, are they trying to single me out and make me feel uncomfortable? What are, what are their motives? Right. Not knowing that you're just curious. Right. <laughs> you just have never touched hair like that before. You just right. don't know, you know? So or in your case, goes- it sounds like you were, it was, he's your good friend. And oh, you were yeah. like, well, you you were, you weren't even like, even though it is that it feels like spectacle. Cause I think that's the perfect word. Mm-hmm. And, but in your case, it sounds like it wasn't even like you, it wasn't like a, a woman at a store and you were like wow look at your hair yeah. like no which it I wasn't think the stereotypical palpably situation. offensive but right. i just think your point was it's, it's interesting because in your case it wasn't a stranger it was right. a friend well so. and he had a reaction to it which made me stop in my tracks be like okay i don't know everything i offended my friend mm. and he has a right to tell me why and i think you you keep bringing up really good points that all to me go back to emotional labor that extra explaining to of how you feel, but yes. also justifying it to someone else so that they feel comfortable with it. I feel like as women, that's something that we experience a lot yep. that men don't. And I imagine as a woman of color, it's tenfold because not only you're explaining your experience as a woman, you're explaining your experience as a black woman to your red hair husband. <laughs> it's, whom, it's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. That's, that's a 
lot of emotional labor. A friend of mine at a party uh, with one of the local events, um, somebody said something sexist and I corrected them or she corrected them. And then they were like, but what if da 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 da? And they kind of followed up asking. And then she was like, like, no nonsense. Ashley Hmm. um and she was like she was like it's not my job to explain feminism to you like read a book yeah and like and I was like and frankly I wanted to kiss her on the mouth I mean it was like very I was just like yes thank you that is my heart but it was like to me I was like in networking mode or like connection mode so I was like yeah, I like called him on the assholery, and then I was like, "That's sorry, that's a, I a like technical it. term for <laughs> yeah. networking." Was that another people. SAT word? Yes, <laughs> yeah, right. Vicissitudes and assholery. Um, no, but I just, I, I truly felt like, um, you know, you can't let it slide. I told you that's my kind of mo. But then it was like she kind of went for it, and I think it's interesting in what you're saying because when you were talking about the spectacle part, is like you're right that you don't have time to do it. But even if you did have time. It's not your job. But then it feels like the counter argument to that would be like the way my brain was thinking, which is if I don't do it, nothing will ever change. Right. And yes. it's like, I'm curious about that because I do agree with you. Like, it shouldn't be your job. And mm-hmm. it is, to Jackie's point, like heavy emotional labor that's unfair for you to bear. But I'm curious in your experience. So we have that conversation all the time. And my husband does bring that up. And so he's worked in different locations before. He's worked in very um, diverse and low-income locations. And he's worked in like higher um, people with higher income, right? More wealthier Mm -hmm. uh, locations where people shop that will be there. And I'm trying to say rich people. (laughs) He's worked with rich people and poor poor people. (laughs) And the poor people have been of color. So anyways... So he's been put in different situations. And I tried to tell him like when he I, I try to give him tips on how to conduct himself around people with color that and he's managing them and their experiences because I've had bosses that just haven't gotten me and it's made me it's just not been a healthy work environment. Um, so when he has questions, I answer them. And the whole explaining yourself thing and not having time to that really resonated with him because he always understand well, if, he never really realized if um if people don't explain it, how will I know? Because I didn't really know to begin with. And that's where I come up with the whole, you have to just be sensitive to what you say in public to people. Mm-hmm. Um, he's made comments before where I've known that it's not racist and I've known exactly where it's coming from. But I've had to tell him, like, if I didn't know you when you said that and you were in, like, whatever area, like, let's say Dorchester or Roxbury or whatever, you could get punched in the face. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want you to get punched in the right. face. Right. I, like, I like your face. I really like your face. And you, you just, like, you can't say that. And he's been like, oh, but like, why? And I told him, he's like, okay, but like, I'm not racist. I'm like, I know you're not racist, but they don't know you're right. not racist. Right. But we don't they want don't people know. to think you are. Yes. <laughs> and, and that's the thing. He's like, well, I'm not racist. And, People are overreacting. So what do I do? I'm like, you just got to be, you just got to yeah. be sensitive to mm-hmm. other people and how they're coming into the world. And is it kind of like, I mean, my, if you guys, neither of you have met my husband, but he's this person that like says some shock value things mm-hmm. sometimes, but is the guy that gets away with it because he's like so sweet and nice or whatever. <laughs> and I'm like, and sometimes when our friends, like close friends are over, I don't think about it. I'm like dancing something ridiculous and we're all laughing at it because it's yeah. funny or smart, but it's maybe a little I mean, controversial. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. But when we've had guests over and he tries to do the same jokes and I'm like, so definitely not a racist. Um, <laughs> sorry, Miranda from, that's not Miranda, I don't yeah. know who it was, but like so 
someone that I know that I barely know yeah. that we're having over for a play date with our son and my my <laughs> husband like made a joke about the news because he hates Donald Trump and like is super progressive and an ally and a supporter of everyone around him. But he makes offensive jokes thinking it's funny because yeah. he's like, isn't it funny because I would never do those things? Like, right. I would never really feel this. And I'm like, yeah, I get that you think that's <laughs> comedy, but it's not always comedy. And I think, to your point, it's not it, – there's two extremes, right? There's, like, the walking on eggshells mm-hmm. and not – like feeling willing to have the conversation where I admit to you that I don't know how to to position myself always and event whatever. And then there's the other side where it's like you're just like fuck it, like I'm just gonna make jokes and then I'll let them know afterwards. Yeah. But to your point, there's like some real there's like some real life consequences mm-hmm. whether it's getting punched in the face in Dorchester yeah. or it's ostracizing friends at a, on a very topical level. Right. And his so Phil would prefer the latter. He'd like to just say whatever he wants and um for people to try and understand where he's coming from and again not everyone has the time and what he asked me so like what's the solution because i i don't want to walk on eggshells he's like i straight up he doesn't want to walk on eggshells he just wants to say what he thinks and people to get where he's coming from and i'm like well phil um you're just gonna have to deal with the consequences then Mm -hmm. like it's a free country it's a free world you can say whatever you want to people but you cannot be upset when you get a reaction out of them Mm -hmm. and that's the main thing with i think the word racist being used a lot. You know, if you don't feel like you are and you have people who will defend you and back you up, say what you got to say. But like, if somebody gets offended, you can't blame them for using the word too much or blaming you for being racist and you're not, you know, unless you can figure out a way to explain yourself. I don't know. It's it's tough because you're going to get a reaction. Right. And when you're having to explain those hard topics to people, again, going back to the emotional labor thing, I think the hardest thing about it is about that is you're coming from such a strong place of conviction yet you feel so vulnerable Mm -hmm. after Mm. because most of the time they're not going to agree with you either (laughs) (laughs) so i feel like that you know i don't know what that's like for you guys but do you ever get to the point where you don't agree Oh, yeah, all the time. Actually, we walked away from this conversation where he was like, well, there's, he based, I feel so bad. Am I bashing my husband? No. First of all, to Phil's credit, I (laughs) I think that Phil's not someone who appropriates. I think he's someone who assimilates. And I think he's learning. Yeah. No, he definitely is. open and willing. And you guys are married. I was just going to say, he also has had a relationship with an African-American woman who he loves and respects and knows better than anybody. So there's some of that is proximity-based, that Mm -hmm. assimilation. It's just, I have a fluency and I feel comfortable around, Mm -hmm. you know, different cultures, et cetera. And so for me, I'm... And maybe he's almost defiantly so, it sounds like in, at some time. Trust right. me, I just told yes. you my husband does the same thing. <laughs> yes. Because you do, and you have a sense of confidence where it's like, it that is so far from who he is, mm-hmm. that in, it's like kind of in a way similar to my full circle thing, where it's like, you're, you want people to know that so desperately that you're that you're one of the good guys and when i say guys women people folks just to emphasize that (laughs) but you're one of those people that are a a normal human that should celebrate difference and understand that diversity is a strength not a detriment and Mm -hmm. in phil's case 
I don't know. I just think by having a relationship with you, he almost feels. So we joke about like, this sometimes you know? too, because he jokes that he has a black card. Okay. Oh my so god. So the black <laughs> okay, card. Phil. Do we all okay. know what the black card is? <laughs> yes, so, of course. So the black card can be dished out and it can be taken away. <laughs> and, this is and, a formal <laughs> removal yeah, ceremony. Has, Phil. Has been it is. And, and it, but it's it's kind of been parodied on TV and stuff, and it's like this like hypothetical card, and some people take it more seriously than others. Phil is one of the funny. So he's funny. So he really does think he owns he has a black card and it's probably because my family has low-key given it to him (laughs) without my permission will you tell it just for folks that haven't heard that phrase before will you explain so it's just kind of like leniency to say and be silly and do what you want when you're around like you're like black counterparts or people who or people of color there might who knows there might be a latino card i don't know there might be but um, i think there should there be, should right? be right <laughs> and it's it's like i said it's lent out and sometimes people permanently have it but it's kind of like okay you're okay it's i hate to say it but it's like you're okay you can kind of say and do what you want when you're around us we know you it's 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 mm. it's gucci yeah <laughs> so i'm gonna use it use it i just it's, want i don't want to tell it. you when i'm gonna just i'm gonna pepper it in <laughs> i like it i like it i'll be very like surprised I'm like yes girl yes. <laughs> i am young <laughs> you are when you and silly. <laughs> <laughs> well, we were also talking last night. We didn't. He just found out last night what SMH is, and oh. I told him that it took me. I found out like three years after it was a thing. So oh, I still have to Google acronyms. Yeah, I'm, not, we do I'm it all the time. I'm not elderly. So he he um he thinks he thinks he has one. Maybe he does. I I really haven't seen it. My family <laughs> might have snuck it to him. But um, <laughs> I like that you didn't give it to him. <laughs> I did it, and I'm constantly trying to take it away. He refuses. He's like, if unless my sister's name is Nathaniel, unless Nathaniel takes it away, it's not going anywhere. I'm like, okay, whatever. So, but it does. He does feel really comfortable around my family, and that's the thing. It's. People, you can say whatever you want. I just feel like, you you know, when you're in certain situations, you have to be, I don't know where this conversation was going. What did we, where were we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just shooting the shit. So, no, no, I love it. So what you were talking about from, at least what I was taking away from it was that you were saying that Phil uses his black card yeah. in, in a way that you feel like is not real. Like he's decided he has a black card, so he's allowed to do things that other people aren't. Because I was asking you, based on the fact that he's had a relationship with oh, you, yeah. does he have extra in his mind? Uh, he definitely freedoms, does freedoms to do that. He definitely feels like he does, mm-hmm. and I think maybe throughout the years he's been more confident in it, um, and feel, feels the need to like say like that he can say certain things. And you know what? I think in this world, let's be real, it's 2019. Like if I hate to say it, if like if he was to say something that's level two racist and not level 10 racist, <laughs> people might just ignore it because they're like, well, he's got a biracial baby and his wife's black. Do you know what I right. you know what he I'm saying? He must be okay. He could probably, yes. So I hate to say it, but yeah, he could probably get away with saying something like that versus somebody else right. on level two racist BS. But if he said level 10 <laughs> racist, he might, you know, somebody might say something. Right. So, this is an interesting topic to me because I... I think- oh, sorry, I don't believe in level racism. It's a joke. <laughs> no, I really it was a don't. Joke. I really emphasis don't. on, yeah, yes. exactly. It's a pretend it's not, classification. It's not but i think this is brings up a topic where so i think i maybe mentioned this story to you jackie but forgive me if i haven't so this is not related to race but it's related to diversity to race not it's related to diversity but this idea so i went to college and i um met uh he he identified as a he but he was a woman transitioning and uh, he was a playboy and he hit on all the girls and I was one of them and we kissed once Ooh, yeah. and it was something Scandal. that I was very happy with at the time and I quickly learned that I was one of many and, right. and he was this playboy and I 
remember talking to my mom and being like, well, first of all, I've now come to terms with my sexuality years late, you know, like from college. But that wasn't, you know, it was it, regardless of that, it was more that I was, like I said, so proud. I've always been this like bleeding heart liberal human that I was like so proud of my progressiveness, but I'm now in my first year in college and I meet this junior or senior and he is transitioning, he's transgender. I didn't even know what that was. Like I, and, but I had feelings for him, but then he was a jerk. Does that mean I hate gay people? Does that mean I hate transgender people? And it was this moment where I talked to my mom about, I was like, and she goes, my mom, it was, my mom's British and sweet and <laughs> gentle voice. And like, she's American, she's lived here her whole life, but she just has like ways of saying things sometimes that are perhaps harsher but like don't come across but she was like molly everybody can be an asshole <laughs> and i was like oh That's like it true. was just this thing and then and my my point is is that sometimes we talk about race as if like you said emotional labor but as if you culturally someone who is different or not culturally you know just purely racially there's a there's an assumption that yours either by people that are racist that you know folks that aren't white are and by the way you can't be a racist if you're not white I feel like we should talk about that I guess what I'm trying to say is that I feel like there's false notions of like who's better or worse when it comes to bigotry and that sounds so like essentialized but there's this like and so when you're talking to someone who is of a different race than you or a different sexuality or of a different, you know, class, as you talked about, and you assume they're good, bad, or otherwise, that's on you, right? And so my my assumption that I was being offensive to this person who I had some real feelings for yeah. um, my freshman year was, was not – it was in a place of self-awareness, so I was like, oh, my God, it's not me. But the reality is you can still have uh, – be a part of a, of a diverse class of humans and also not be the hero. Like, right. it's not saying – I mean, I just – I feel like in that case, I was – it was for me so jarring to think that I was – I wasn't aware of my own bigotry. And I think what I learned from that situation was that – I need to be more aware of my assumptions, you know? And even though I was assuming a good thing, I was like, you know, he's a really cool guy and he's different and I love that. And even though it was a good thing, I could have just as easily assumed that all transgender people are are assholes, Mm -hmm. right? Like it's, it took me a while to get to that point, but it's like the assumptions we make about what people are comfortable with or what they're not or who they are or what they're not to me is, is, something I'm I'm constantly trying to improve in myself because I don't I I think I'm progressive and it doesn't always it doesn't mean that I'm not progressive yeah, it just no. means that I haven't encountered that yet and I don't think enough people perhaps are willing to be like to, I don't know to seem stupid like I right now I'm telling you this without any script and I feel like I'm over explaining something that's so basic but for me it was like a slow journey to get to that not mm-hmm. just during this interview, but also during that my lived experience. I was like, wait, I thought I was – I'm a nice person. Like, nice people don't think those – you know, mm-hmm. whatever. But then it was like an – it goes back to people are uncomfortable having uncomfortable conversations. And so as an those example Those are so that, important to have. You know? It really is. And, and it's always eye-opening. And I think it's great because everybody gets to share mm-hmm. where they're coming from. And that doesn't happen enough. Like, imagine that. Like, right. taking a minute and, ta- and sharing where you're coming from. Right. You might 
you know, they might actually agree with you. Who knows? Or they might have a story that's similar. So that's great that you even brought that up and you furthered the conversation with your mom. Like, you got to share these things sometimes and just, like, check. Check in, you know? But most people don't. I think, like, a lot of times that's why there's, like, tribalism in the U.S. right now, Mm -hmm. right? It's like, like... You know, I'm a big sister in the big sister program, and um, my little is from the Dominican Republic and Puerto Rico, respectively, um, and her from her parents. And she and I, I speak Spanish, and I remember going because I went to school for it in college. And I remember going when I first met her. It's been four years, and oh, wow. so she was nine, and I went to their family's house. And the woman, the social worker, who was a white woman, who was a little crazy, but great in the end she was like i remember you speak spanish so i matched you with this family so that you could translate for the mother and talk to you know the daughter and da 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 and i was like okay sure yeah if that's what you want so i this is a true story so i I had the document that they give you when you first um meet your match and it's a big process i had to go through like weeks of you know whatever so you sit down it's like a big moment we're meeting each other so i'm speaking in spanish and i'm translating the document i'm sharing it (laughs) And the mother, who's two years younger than me and has four children, totally different lived experience, was like, and I wasn't struggling with the language, but she was just like, because then I would have to tell the social worker that I was, what I was saying. And the woman, mother who I now know and consider someone I'm close with, was like, I speak English. <laughs> oh my god! And it was like the social worker oh had decided oh, because she was like had a daughter in the big sister program. I don't know what she assumed. Right? I, yeah. I don't know. I'm not going to assume what she assumed. <laughs> but I like was going That's through this so whole wild. like, and then I was like, I felt like such a jerk. Like I came in being like, yeah. let me You're like, oh god, this save you. <laughs> let me tra- right. Let me translate yeah. this paper. Oh and mind god. you, no, we're different people. So and I remember being like, oh, I can't say her name, but I was just like dude, I'm so sorry. Like it just, <laughs> and she was like, no, that was really nice. She's like, you speak Spanish, she's you know, like, great. Like, really funny. She's like, it was cool to learn, but she was also like, no, but and like highly offensive, but she like watched me do it. Like she let me do it for a while. And I was that's translating like, oh, and I was talking cute. and like, and Mel- oh, I almost said her name. And like the young girl, like she like, didn't really speak that much you know like it wasn't part of but it was like this moment <laughs> how confusing for everyone for everyone right? but really the, so, the social worker was like job done she's nailed like it. i did it See, nailed it this is something i've been wanting to say too i think in my lived experience growing up a conservative white household but there's a huge difference between hate and ignorance yep. mm-hmm. i think racism Big is time. rooted in hate ignorance is rooted in stupidity yep. and and or lack, lack of understanding or lack of experience exactly exactly sure. so i think getting to the which one is it yeah you, you can figure it. it out pretty quickly yeah. and when you see mm. someone is being ignorant it's an opportunity to teach like a them teaching moment yeah and then they evolve i mean half the time they don't want to be taught and sure. then, then they get mm-hmm. teetered over closer to the racist <laughs> side of things but that's not always the case <laughs> and then <laughs> you know so i have a funny anecdote of a couple of years ago well, there's there's one really bad one that I'll tell you privately, but not on a podcast. So we went to Italy as a family. Yes, privileged. We went to Italy. We're staying at this villa in Tuscany, and it was it was amazing. But we all also spent a good amount of time together at that point. Had some heavy political debates, and then um, my dad started reading the book Mercy. Have you heard of it? No. It's about a. I'm paraphrasing, and I'm going to do a really bad job. But basically, I believe it was a um, 
true story about a man in the 60s, a black man. I think it was the 60s. It was, you know, during the times of segregation were still mm. a major issue. And he started having an affair with a white woman. And then someone found out and accused him of raping her. And he served, I'm getting the chills, he served a really long prison sentence for being accused of raping this white woman. (sighs) And when in all reality, they were in love and they were having an affair. And um, my dad's like reading through and he's like, oh my God. And we're like, what's happening? He's like, he's getting arrested. And he and we're like, oh, well, how do you feel about that? You know, and he's like, this is bullshit. Yeah. And he's starting and going and going and going. And we're like, this is still happening. Yep. This is still an issue, although maybe not as much in the 60s. It's still happening. Yeah, it's, and it's happening. getting worse. So mm. I think it's because, you know, little by little, yep. we've had these conversations. It's great that you bring that up because we're raising our son who is colorful. Yes, <laughs> in more they more ways than one, and he's he's a boy, and being black, like you're, you know, you're raised, you have conversations with your kids, like whatever they are, if they're boy or girl, um, like how the world, you, you know, you you prepare them for how they might be seen in the world, and I hate to say it, but like what to be careful of, mm-hmm. and there is a conversation that happens with black young men mm-hmm. when they start to get of a certain age mm-hmm. to just be careful of. And I, we, Phil and I haven't had this conversation really just yet, but we've touched on it. And he did, like did had no clue. And I'm like, yeah, you got a son of color. Like this yeah. conversation's gonna it, it it and it really does have to happen um, because unfortunately, like you're not given the same opportunities um, or the same understanding as p- other people who don't look like you. You know, who might have lighter skin than you do. And and pigment is a huge thing. Um, my so I have a really good friend. We haven't talked in a little while, but she's a really good friend of mine, and she's also in a biracial racial relationship. And um, her she had her daughter prior to me. And when you have your kid and you're in a biracial relationship, you're always curious. I mean, I think every family is, but mm-hmm. you're always curious what the what they're gonna look like. Mm-hmm. But one thing that pops into your mind is like how much melanin they're gonna have in mm-hmm. their skin, or how dark are they gonna be, how light are they gonna be? Are they gonna look more like my husband or my my you know my significant other, or are they or are they gonna look more like me? And you know, obviously you don't care. You just want the baby to come out healthy sure, or whatever. Right. But you do think those things. And with her, um, her daughter came out and. She w- she had a little more melanin in her skin than I think maybe my friend thought she would. Mm. And at, while she was in the hospital, which is a very vulnerable time after giving birth, oh, gosh, yeah. like it's just like you're uncomfortable, you're put on spectacle, and you, you just gave out a baby, and got your pumped hormones out a baby. are regulating exactly, and, and then everyone's staring at you. And they want to talk to you and hold and your you're child, exhausted. and you're you just pumped out a baby. You know, yeah. you're you're more than exhausted. You know, it's crazy. Totally. It's so taxing, but you. You know, the people who are welcomed in the room, you try to give them some of your energy. Um, But she had an experience where somebody looked at her child and, like, made a comment about this color of their skin. And it's like, she just popped, I'm tapping on the table. She just popped out of the womb. Like, give it 10 minutes before we talk about the color of her skin. And they just made a comment. And it wasn't her family. It was his family that brought it up. And it just hurt her so much. And she just couldn't forget that. And to this day, that's something that's like still sticks with her. We'd get in conversations and she'd bring it up. And it's definitely a point of resentment for her to her um, in-laws at this point. Um, And it's frustrating. But it is something you think about when you have a child, like a child of color. Do you feel like there's merit to, I mean, I've, let me say it this way. I think there would be merit to having a course for new parents on who are not of color or who 
you know, kids like to have that conversation, not the same conversation that you would have with a, uh, your son, with yeah. Burrito. Um, and by the way, his um, <laughs> legal name is not Burrito. It's King Philip. I thought it was. Philip was going to love that. King Philip. That was for you, How Phil. How pretentious. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I'm just curious, like... I feel like race as a topic wasn't something that I, in my home, was something we talked about. I remember my boyfriend in college, um, I can't, I won't say his name, but he's amazing. He's probably going to be present. He's like very ambitious politically, but he was, uh, he's a black man and we were together for a year and a half. We were friends before that. And like my, you know, my mom had seen pictures of us, but they hadn't met and he had came home and my mom said, my mom's going to hate me for saying, but my mom said, I think this is the first black man I've had in the house. And that, I mean, it, she wasn't being like facetious. Yeah, she was being like, wow, that's interesting. I didn't even, I've never thought about that. And I was like, please don't say that to him when he's here. If you could just not. <laughs> just no, get I'm just it saying, all out now. But I mean, it's like. For me, I think I would have benefited from having that type of conversation, not in the same way um, that unfortunately young men of color and women of color, but young men of color especially, um, need to be educated around the disgusting standards and and limitations and biases that our society can um, or typically gives them. But I think for me, like, I just, I mean, I'm going to speak for myself, but I imagine a lot of my peers, you know, I didn't really have top conversations about race. And I mean, in high school, I did a little, but really I feel, I went to public school. I mean, we didn't have this sort of extra cultural budget to talk (laughs) through those things. And they like, you know, whatever. I just felt like for me, I was like, I went to, like, I talk about my undergrad experiences, like, it's like, eye-opening like I just felt like I learned like so much that I just wasn't exposed to before Mm -hmm. do you think there would be marriage what do you guys think I I mean I would like for it to exist but I I I don't even know how you go about it but it just feels like like I have a son who's white yeah and I mean he's (laughs) he's much tanner than I am because my husband is very tan and I'm pink generally I think it would be nice to instead of having to have classes where we just all assimilate to each other more and there's more opportunity for that and more opportunity for people to educate because I'm curious about your friend's experience or maybe your own, if you've ever experienced this, which it doesn't sound like you have with Phil's family. It sounds like they're pretty woke people, quote unquote. And you can just let that be if you want. But um, with your friend, did she ever have the opportunity to express her frustration either to her husband? Yeah. And feel free to tell me to shut up. No, no, this is good. I'm glad you're bringing this up. I'm, I'm curious of if she felt empowered in her situation to say, hey, look, that wasn't cool. And here's why. So... Actually, I have a quick thing about that. But before I do, because I have a short term, I have a short memory, so I don't want to forget this. But I do think that people will benefit from talking to their children about that. It doesn't have to um, be a class right. either. No, I just meant I, more like a yeah. Sorry, sorry I didn't mean no, no, to no, brush it off. But. No, you didn't. I just mean you said assimilate. I think it has to be a combination of the two because then otherwise it goes back to emotional labor and it falls on folks that yeah. are going through that. Experience. They have to teach us right. how to do it. Whereas I feel like a class at least creates an objective. <laughs> expert i think it has to happen when before your child not that i'm trying to teach people how to train their kids no i just think it's interesting before your child enters like public school or preschool or basically before your child enters an environment where they're going to be with 
kids and teachers for a long for several hours a day multiple times i think that conversation actually needs to be needs to happen because i went to yes. preschool um in hamilton winham and it was a very diverse preschool actually but at that um but when i went to public school in that area i think i was in like first grade in uh, hamilton winham I was the first black person I would say 90% of these kids had ever seen. Wow. And I can't, I, I'm and a small talk about child. spectacle. Exactly. So I'm a small child and now I have to explain why I'm, like, why I'm different from everybody in this classroom. And then everybody's being told not to point that out. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? Because it's like, don't, don't do that. She's darker than you. Don't say anything, whatever. You know, where it's like, I really wish your parents had told you that people like me exist. But right. Uh, like, that's like, right. I'm not a uniform. That's exactly what so, I'm saying. So yeah. I think before you go to a school, private, public, whatever, or diverse or not, you have to tell your kids that there's black people. Right? <laughs> Cause, cause I'm Just not kidding. so you no, know. No, I'm not kidding. Every, if you ask no, anybody in my family, they will, t- they, we all, all the kids in my family have an experience where somebody's been like, your skin's dark. Does that come off? Mm. No joke. Wow. And Especially these are as with kids. kids. Your kids, they right. don't know any They're, better. Listen, I have a know. pimple on my face and I try to hide it and my kid is like, mama, boo-boo? They and I'm like, Cool. <laughs> Well, you can just lock it up, too. So, I mean, I just, my point is, is that is so small. And that's, they notice everything. And so, Mm -hmm. they're they're interpreting the world. They're taking everything in for the first time. They're not aware, especially at that young age, of social norms or etiquette or, you know, the way. So, I think it's a crucial time to talk about it. You have to. Right? It's just like that conversation that I feel like most, like, Black parents have to have with their kids, your, with your black son when he turns 13 or 14, or your daughter when she's going to school and how her hair is different. Like that conversation should have to people who aren't, don't have, you know, right. don't have as much melanin. Like there are black people in the world. You're going to see somebody who's darker than you. Like their skin color is not going to wash off if you right. wipe them off. <laughs> right. And they're just like you. The color's just different. This might be where they come from. Just like a basics for children. Nothing right. crazy. Right. I would hope that in the conversation around telling a, a black son or a black daughter about her different hair or black son about the experience the stereotypes in the world there's also value in saying there's white people out there and here are the things to expect about that yeah. i mean to try to make it you know it's not about verses it's right. just these are the differences you're going to encounter exactly. i remember seeing a, a young man um who in in my hometown growing up who was a burn victim mm-hmm. and he was it wasn't a young man i'm sure he was a child but i was like 4 or 5 and i remember being so scared i cried when i saw him and i was i was too young to know any better but to this day i have guilt over it because my mom was like explained to me after that he had um, it, it, it was just physically different than mm-hmm. me. It's like someone with a with you know it, it, a disability or someone with like it. like who has um, albino. Like there's mm-hmm. just there's any physicality I think for young children, especially is is I think it would only behoove them growing older to have had that conversation foundationally. Yeah, right. Yeah, and it's I think with that it's like how do you prepare for yourself for seeing a your, your child for seeing a burn victim? Like you don't you, don't. you don't know when it's going to happen, so of that course. one's hard. But I well, I don't. Like, and I promise I'm not conflating oh, the two. Yeah, no. I just remember being like, I've never seen that before. Oh, yeah. And, it and uh, yeah, and you know. The kids are going to notice. They mm-hmm. are. Uh, but yeah, I think a class, maybe not a class, but just like an introduction for <laughs> your children when you're like releasing them to the public. Yeah. Because it, it's a tough conversation to have. Nobody knows how to bring it up. But but once your kids know, like imagine a four-year-old being like, oh, I know, like your skin's dark. My mommy told me about, you know, like it's, right. it's yes, a little bit more, more normal. And how much like historical references to the, just to go back to the history a little bit and understand yeah. 
how we all got to this country and what those implications are on us on a large society level. Because I think about when I lived in southern Vermont, it was so it was very rural, very white. And a lot of them would joke that they hadn't seen a black person for the first time until they went to Boston on yeah. a field trip. Yeah. And, but it, it's it was a reality. Joke, but it's the it's, truth. It's real. <laughs> and a lot of them held some ignorant thought processes because know. they've never been exposed. Yeah. They also didn't understand, fully understand, you know, different how experiences of people that aren't You've never white. met somebody who doesn't look like you. How do you right. know? Like, you just don't. And then you see how that kind of plays out oh, yeah. on a larger scale in these more rural areas where people tend to have more of these racist mindsets and it's because they haven't been exposed, they haven't been educated and and yeah. how how could how, you exactly. because there's really no way to do it. So I think maybe we need to come up with a YouTube channel or something <laughs> Play for kids. I, I, yeah. Just like a quick no, that's a great idea. Just a tips and I, tricks a good article idea. about parenting. <laughs> this like, is just me ideally like why can't we all get along? You yeah. know, like yeah. I would say my my theme song is Why Can't We Be Friends by War. <laughs> I mean, I, be- I would prefer it, your method. I, yeah. I just think but it is. we it's have very to idealistic. systemically change the conversation where it's it's we're naturalizing the idea of difference so that it isn't newsworthy, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so, and again, this is an oversimplification. We're not solving racism today, but I just think <laughs> if only we could. Um, no, but I just think that that to me, as a new mom, like I'm like Lou. I mean, is a little bit older than Burrito, and it's like he's talking now mm. and he's pointing things out and so forth. And I'm sure there's going to be a scenario. Um, except in his case, he has a lot of diversity in his life. And so he might be the opposite where he doesn't think of it as difference. He mm-hmm. just thinks of it as like, it's, norm. it's just like the way you look at like the color blue and the color green. Like it doesn't matter. But the for him, I think having that conversation, regardless of his exposure, would be valuable. Mm-hmm. You know? Definitely. And I'm curious too, because I feel like you know, we've been talking about race a lot, which I'm really happy we are because it's kind of the first time we've really been able to broach the subject. Um, But people have such a habit of just speaking on a turn and asking really ignorant things. So I'm curious, Mm. what are some of the questions you've gotten (laughs) to educate some of our listeners on what not to ask or a better way to ask or understand? Huh, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm lucky enough for my first name to be Daybar. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> so which is already so different. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And then my last name is Gay, which is also so different. So my f- life experience in America has been very interesting. <laughs> so I mean, I could talk about this for forever, but I feel like it's more... I think it's more about just how you're approaching people that are different from you because the whole point of being ignorant to things, thats and I think that's why me versus my friend, who's basically my counterpart, who's in a biracial relationship, has in-laws that are white and she, her, fian- her husband is, is white, um, we approach things differently. Like I was saying, I have been placed into situations where I'm always the minority where she's been in this country well she's from this country but she's been here and her family's placed her in an environment where she's surrounded by Africans who talk and speak and look just like her Mm -hmm. so us going out to the world it's completely different and what I always do is I give people the benefit of the doubt Mm -hmm. and unfortunately in this world people who are ignorant are always are not always going to be given that Mm -hmm. and and that's the one reason why I think I've been able to meet amazing people is because I give people the benefit of the doubt Mm -hmm. but you you do have to be sensitive to other people when you just like like walk out Um, some things that I've been asked definitely the hair thing comes up a lot I'm a black female like my hair is different it changes all the time 
time. There's memes on there about guys being with black women and we and we look different every week. And it's not a joke. It's not a joke. Every week, if I back in the day, I'd get my hair done every week and I'd come up looking completely different. And my in-laws would be like, whoa, yeah, it's different. And it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Let's yeah. move on. <laughs> it's going to be different next week. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so that's definitely been a huge thing. Um, it's just what we do. We're always looking to change and update or whatever. It's not really a big deal for us. But for other people, it's like my hair is straight a lot. And I put it up in a bun sometimes. And that's mm-hmm. it. So it's weird that I'm like doing crochet braids and putting in extensions and taking them out. And my hair's short all of a sudden. Now it's super long, you know? So it's that's definitely been a, a hot topic. And people are always asking me about. I'm, I don't get offended by it. I think now because of YouTube and people being able to like YouTube stuff like this, there's a lot of people get it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and everyone mm-hmm. wears extensions. I feel like everyone, everyone does. Everyone does. I, that's like a secret that I didn't yeah. know. And no, everyone really is so true. Especially all my favorite vloggers. They all wear extensions. Yes. So it's not a big deal anymore. And if you have questions, you just YouTube it. Um, other things that I've gotten when I was, I think, I guess I used to hear the most racist things when I was younger. And it's, again, because of ignorance and people mm. not teaching their kids. Mm, yeah. um, and it makes for growing up extremely hard. But like, people just assume that I'm fast. And it's funny because racism isn't always like a negative thing. Right. Like you got to be fast from like chasing cheetahs because I'm from Africa. Right. And oh I hate God. to say it, it's a it's oh a thing. God. I would get picked all the time to be in, in like running groups and stuff because I'm black and I'm fast. Like that's what it is. And it's funny because when you're young, you're like, oh, but that's like nice, right? No. Right. <laughs> no, it's, it, it right. tricks you. It's not nice. It, yeah, it's not nice. It does. And oh. what if I have asthma? Oh my God. That reminds me of a story that I was... Um, <laughs> I was having coffee with a woman who's black, and she was telling me that um, back in the day, people used to com- compliment her speech and say, you speak so well. Yes, that's another one. That's yeah. a good one, yeah. yeah. So that happens a lot to me, too. It's it's So nowadays, before I didn't think anything of it, and then I got to the point where, wow, that's really effed up. Like, yeah. I know where you're going with this. And now I, I just brush it off, and I feel like I'm older now, so I'm around different circles. So people are actually really interested when they hear that I'm not from America. I'm an, I'm an immigrant. I'm mm. from West Africa, but I, my, I have no accent in the way mm. I talk. And I... Even if I was, let's say I would grew up here and I was black, I, maybe I'd have a Boston accent or if I was from the Midwest, I'd have a, but like, I literally don't have any accent right. whatsoever. Yeah, you don't. No tinge. You announce so. it really well, though. <laughs> as I'm like, really well. <laughs> I, I have to because I talk fast and people won't understand me. Right. But um, now I don't think much of it. And I think the that's one thing I'll say I have a, a above like other people who are like me but don't have not always put themselves in a situation where they're the minority a lot is that I can just brush things off Mm. and I think that's where people who are white who are in a situation with somebody who's not always the minority and have been around a lot of black people who get them and understand them when you say ignorant things it's like are you kidding me it's 2019 and you don't know that and it's like I got five minutes and I'm not explaining it to you I'm pissed yeah (laughs) and and that's just and that's what it is and it and it's and it's tough for me because of my family family dynamic I don't think ever I don't think everyone's racist when they say crazy shit but there are people like me out there um people who are who look like me who do think people are racist when they say crazy shit yeah yeah so it's it's tough yeah Um, what do you think about the phrase so you mentioned earlier like I think the word racist is used too much and 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 I don't mean to assume your politics at all but my politics are very well known on this podcast. <laughs> and I was curious, like a lot of the critique. So obviously I come from a content 
strategy background and, and messaging and positioning is something I find fascinating and that's so it's such a challenge in order to convey what you want to convey. In the media right now, they're describing events that I would deem inarguably as racist attacks yeah. by our president or um, you know, citizens that follow him or at his rallies and so forth, send her back, Ilhan Omar, who I mentioned last time because I love her. Um, anyhow, racially charged versus racist is the critique. There was the critique is like a lot of reporters are like, and you know, at his rally, they used racially charged language. <laughs> and I and folks that are perhaps a little bit more willing to critique leadership president would say that that's just like a it's like a whitewash not like a um that's not a race joke it's like a truly like whitewashing a concept that is in my opinion unobjectively um you know racist Mm -hmm. and so and you don't have to answer for the media i'm just curious like in terms of categorizing could you expand upon what you mean by racist being used too much. Yeah. Because I think I kind of agree with you. And then I kind of am like, when I hear the media say something like racially charged, it feels like they're dismissing something that's mm-hmm. really horrific. So <laughs> does that make, does that make it sense? Does. It and feels like they're and like, and you're being woke, like in the, in just thinking that, which you. is good. But so that's the number one adjective people describe <laughs> me as. I like woke. it. No, but do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it just feels like they're like, you know, he was race, racist-ish. <laughs> like, it's like they're lessening it. So it's, honestly, it's because of things like this. He's dated, and they'll pop this up on the TV screen all the time. He's dated a black woman before. He's, you know, done this for African-American people and blah, blah, blah. He can't be racist if he cares. Okay, two things. Like, yes, you can actually be racist <laughs> and, and still out. try to cover it up. But I, so what, my friend that I talk about, and I might be low-key talking about her. <laughs> Because I, I, because you guys don't know her, and because right. I don't want to use myself as, a, as an example right now. <laughs> my um, friend, quote, yeah, um, project all the time. <laughs> but she, like I said, her experience is different. She's she was she grew up around a lot of black people, and then is dating a white guy, and is very sensitive to a lot of things that I wouldn't be sensitive to. So she tries. She used to always call me and be like, "What would you do in this situation?" Right, just to see if she was being too sensitive. And she, in her nature, she is a very sensitive female, mm-hmm. which is fine. It's right. totally fine to be. Uh, and a lot of times, her in laws now would would say things to her. Um, they've made comments about her hair. They've made comments about her skin color, about her child, and all these things. And every time she tells me these things, I have her explain how did they come up, what happened. And I truly do not believe her family is racist. I don't believe it whatsoever. And I, I just don't. I've met them. I've shaken their hand. I've also met racist, a ra- like racist person before. I don't think they are. Mm. What I do think is that they're extremely ignorant, like Jackie mm. was saying sheltered. earlier. Very sheltered. I think they don't know. And the way they're approaching her, maybe because they feel like you're married to our son, so you're family now, and we can say whatever we want to you, and you're going to either have to speak up and talk about it, or just, like, shut up, basically. And we're going to get away with saying it. And um, I have to tell her all the time, is they're not coming from necessarily a place of hate, it's ignorance. And she can't understand that, because she's been around so many African-American people who've had different experiences and been hurt by so much, that she's always on guard. Mm -hmm. And you asked if she's, if, like, things have happened where it's escalated, and it has. It's escalated. And she's had to get up in their face and say some things that she's not proud of and and it's because Mm -hmm. she's always she's felt surrounded Mm -hmm. and the only one and being different and it's hurt right and i've heard her explain these stories to me and i've like felt for her 
I wasn't like, oh, screw you. Like, you should just be deal with it. Like, I got a white boo. Like, I, right. you know, I deal with <laughs> it. it. You happens. deal with it, too. Yeah, and no. it's not fair. It's not fair. And no, she's no. different from me. She's going to react differently than I would in situations. Um, and I always advocate, especially with family, to just step away from the situation. They're mm-hmm. like, now you... Sh- their blood now. Do you right. know what I mean? You sure. have a child you with them. It's gonna be very, yes, it's going to be very <laughs> difficult and and tough to separate if if that's not what you're trying to do. Um. So yeah, it's it's escalated, and the way she, and the way she's tried to deal with it is she has tried explaining to them, but she's not all. She doesn't feel like she's always so eloquent when she's mm. pissed the fuck off. Right. <laughs> you yeah, know what yeah. I mean? It's hard to be and for people to listen to. And her, his family's like well, wealth. They're wealthy and mm-hmm. they're educated. And when you're talking to people like that, it can be intimidating, and you mm-hmm. worry about the words right. that you use and how you speak and what you say if they're gonna even blow you off or not. So she doesn't always feel like she's the best advocate, even for how she's feeling. Right for herself. Well, it's also one of those things where it's again as a woman, it's really hard to stand up for yourself in the first place. Let alone yeah. to your in-laws, let alone if you've had a completely different lived experience mm-hmm. than them. How can you articulate that in a way that they understand? And then how are you going to leave an impression that makes them want to remember it without coming across crazy? Because I know when I'm offended, <laughs> exactly. I'm fucking pissed That's off and I'm yeah. yelling and crazy. I'm passionate. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Ruth Bader Ginsburg says if you're yelling at people, they're not going to want to listen to you. They're not going to listen. And that's and true. That's, that's the point. So, yeah, that sucks. But there's a risk. There's a lot of pressure, too, I would argue, that your friend has all of this pressure to represent all black people in that narrative. Exactly. And that's like, that's, I mean, like today's it's episode, Daybar is like, when I joke about us say, solving racism, I'm obviously joking aggressively, but I'm also like, you're not here to answer our questions. On how, right. But it was, we thought the three of us would have a good conversation because we wanted to sort of talk about mm-hmm. these little, these little personal experiences that mm-hmm. we've had. And hopefully the folks that are listening would be able to say, oh, I never thought of it that way. Or, oh, I I should be more aware or et cetera. Yep. And I do think that your friend in that scenario, like, yeah, of course she's pissed off. It's bullshit. But it's also like it's so unfair to to I don't know. She not only is she feeling to Jackie's point vulnerable as a woman, as someone of of color and a in a but she's now being given the responsibility <laughs> of correcting their behavior. Yes. And that's a lot. It's I mean, a it's lot. just like I barely I mean, it's a right. lot. Especially when they're elitist, which exactly. is really what it's which is what like. it is. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. what they are. And she's gotten to the point where she is like, I don't give a fuck. They can think all black people are crazy like me. It's fine. And it's <laughs> because at first she was worried. You sure. are worried about that. Right. And it got to the I swear I keep swearing and I feel really bad. I've no, sworn we, so much. So put it's explicit okay. on this podcast. I asked, I asked I'm sorry. <laughs> the first time I swear I looked at her I was like, is this okay? Oh uh, <laughs> find out first of all i said i was like i don't know why i'm the one that makes those decisions and i swear all the time and our listeners are cool that's right yeah they are cool we say swears swear woke anyway what were you gonna say no but she she did feel like that at first it's like oh god like i don't want them to think all black people are like this or whatever so she'd be careful about what she said and also it's her family Mm, and now she's she got to the point where she's like i really don't care i'm not like the the representative of the black community i'm just worried about me and my daughter and like making sure we're safe and we feel okay so that's what she's doing now i don't know where their relationship where their the family relationship stands Mm -hmm. but i know last time it wasn't healthy and she just needed to take a break and step back well and good for her for advocating for herself too because i can't imagine like i I can't imagine to have to put your foot down to your your in-laws to her credit and i think this is a form of self-care 
she's like, this is toxic. I don't mm-hmm. need this. Mm-hmm. Like, I need to take some space, like you said. Yep. And I would argue that happens in every family, but it's exacerbated in her case because of the diversity element. Oh, yeah. She feels very alone a lot of the time. Aww. And you have to have a very supportive partner to be able to, like, go through all of that and come out, like, on the other side. Mm. Um, and she's she's been a trooper through all of it. And honestly, she'd call me and she'd feel like a terrible person for some of the things that she's done or said or whatever. And I'd have to tell her, you're just doing the best you can, you know, right. and, like dealing with it situation by situation. And it's okay if it takes you a year to get over it and you're still holding it in your heart. Like as long as you're progressively working towards like being okay, like you're fine. It's going to take some time. And right. making sure her and her husband are in a good heads or partner, boyfriend are in a good headspace with each other. Like we talked about this, you and I being moms, it's yeah. like any type of big moment in your life, having a Having to, you, sometimes you forget. You take you take for granted that everything's kosher with yeah. your with your partner, and <laughs> you like do. sometimes, yeah. I think in her case, like not that she that her husband or partner needs to recognize They're that she's going now. through something, mm-hmm. um, whatever it is, yeah. and to to just say like you know, because it, it can be hard when someone's like critiquing your family or whatever. Mm-hmm. So like in her case, it's like. He's her advocate, but make sure that they're on the same page. And so she knows she's not alone. Right? Yeah. So and it doesn't feel like she's fighting the battle by herself, I guess. Is exactly. My I think it's key. really important to acknowledge that as women, we're often, you know, fighting our battles, but we also have to be very smart on which battles we pick to fight yeah. and give ourselves permission to do either or. Mm-hmm. Because I know a lot of the time I feel like, well, I didn't speak up. I should have. That was, you know, no. If, same thing as you say, well, if no one else is going to, I'm yeah. going to be the one to do it. But sometimes I don't feel like it. Yeah. <laughs> and and okay. I don't feel like doing that emotional labor. And that's okay, too. Yeah. We, we don't always have to be the spokeswoman, the advocates, white, black, Asian. Yep. It doesn't Good matter. And, yes. you know, it's it's okay to not take on that emotional labor. So to your friend's credit, it sounds like she buried a lot for the sake of keeping peace in the family. Mm-hmm. And she finally got to her tipping point And she was like enough's enough and yeah. i give her equal amount of credit for taking a step back and being yeah. like all right this isn't serving me it's not healthy i'm they're my family but that's yeah. okay and, yeah. and i mean in no way would i i mean i don't know if she would consider them racist i don't think they are at all i just think it really turned into like an animal and she yeah like you said she needed to give space mm-hmm. right so, and it's and, a, it's okay not to gr- agree with everybody right. like that's okay <laughs> i'm learning exactly. that i'm learning it's <laughs> not everything's yeah. black and, and white exactly Fun. Not intended, that's, but kind of. We'll, we'll, we're leaving it in. Um, no, I, um, so just because I I want to make sure that we let the listeners know where to find you. Um, first and foremost, thank you so much. I'm so happy for to taking be the here. time. <laughs> we love you, and yeah. we um, really appreciate your insights. So it was a really cool conversation. Oh, yay. Thanks and for fi- me. frankly, and I think this happens every episode. Like we could literally just keep going. Yeah. Probably. Um, <laughs> but um, to that end, I want to talk about Eat Drink North Shore. Where is Instagram the best place for folks to find you? Yes, want to talk please. about your podcast? Please. Slide into our DMs on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> no, so we we eat and drink on the North Shore. We try to document. We do get out of the North Shore as much as we can. Uh, but please find us on Instagram. It's eatdrinknorthshore underscore explore. We have a blog that we very rarely update. <laughs> it's a little stale. It's a little stale. But you can also go check that out because it does have places we've been that we would either recommend or not recommend. Um, and then we also do have a podcast where we talk about food as well. So if you want to listen to us, you can just type it into Spotify or um, Apple like podcast, I guess. And it's Etrick North Shore. 
And their podcast is amazing and really funny. And one Thanks. thing I wanted to say earlier is when you listen to your podcast, you understand that you and Phil have a very healthy relationship. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's we're not a really great takeaway. Yeah. Phil is, is a good But also person. you learn a lot about food systems and it's it's not just like, oh, this was yummy. You're yeah. talking about really important cool stuff. So yeah. Yeah, the how I built this of food, that's what I'm calling it. <laughs> I yeah. like that. Yeah. I like that. Well, we thank like you. And um, we're super excited to have you on again. I'll have to talk about other of the list of cool topics <laughs> yes. we all bounced around with each other. But thank you, truly. No, thank you guys for having me. I love you both. And I'm just so happy to be here today. Yay. It's great. <laughs> all right, listeners, thank you so much. Please uh, like and subscribe to us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or Google Play. Um, we're excited to uh, hear your thoughts on the episode today and we'll be in touch soon with the next one and if anything resonates with you please feel free to reach out because we love getting those messages so alright bye bye, bye.